when you look at Vern Harnish's work, who's one of the gurus on scale, where he speaks about 96% of businesses in the US do not achieve a higher revenue mark than $1 million. 96% of all businesses in the USA do not achieve more than a million dollars in revenue. 4% do not achieve more than $10 million. Between 10 and 100 is 0.4. It's statistically insignificant. And beyond that, it's, it's really insignificant. And what he expresses is that there's this valley of death that happens at these points. At the million dollar mark, there's this valley of death where businesses die. They just cannot get through it because they either choose the status quo, the CEOs, the leaders, the entrepreneurs choose the status quo, they bow to it's not like it used to be, and very few have the ability then to transition to the new type of CEO leader that they need to be in a business that's much bigger. Isn't it amazing that we as entrepreneurs are constantly chasing growth, but when it happens, we suddenly realize we've bitten off more than we can chew. Like Harnish has discovered, it is in these moments that we have a choice to make. Rise or remain, where remain often means falling behind. This series is all about leading our small businesses towards that growth. Up to now, in previous episodes, we've heard Alon Reyes, CEO of Racecorp, describing the challenges of employing for growth in a small business, the difference between management and leadership, how self-leadership impacts our business, and why we need to proactively lead our strategy. In today's episode, we talk leading others. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. We've spoken about leading people to a better place. And you cannot lead well without having a clearly articulated vision and to the people that you're supposedly leading. But this series is not about leadership. It's about leading a small business. Initially, you are leading one person, then two, then five, then 10, then 20, then 50. And what's happening as you're leading this organization is the dynamics change within that organization. If your leadership methodology does not evolve with the size of the business, you will land up with an inappropriate leadership style for your business as it grows. And you, the so-called leader, will become the handbrake that provides the friction to growth because the business will grow not just to your competency, but to your level of leadership. Are you in a position where you are becoming the handbrake to growth and forward momentum? Or are you perhaps on your way towards that and have the opportunity to address it before it happens? In both of these scenarios, it is clear we need to look at ourselves first. Alon's next comments help us do exactly this. Part of the competence of CEO is strategy. Part of the competence of CEO is decision making. Part of the competence of CEO is communication. Part of the competence of CEO is leadership. So if I am not able to make the right decisions, evolve the right strategy, communicate that strategy effectively, make the tough and important leadership decisions. If I'm not capable of doing that at the size of business that we're at, then I am incompetent as a CEO. And I often refer to the crisis of 2014 in, in Rayscorp, which was one of those testing moments where I had abdicated in 2012 the leadership or the, the running of the business 
to somebody else instead of delegating 100% my fault. But in the crisis, when I, I took back the business in 2014, the big part of my consciousness was that I handed it over because I couldn't do it at the time. I had never run a business that size growing at that rate and quite frankly felt inadequate in that time. In 2014, when I went through six months of absolute learning, filling two and a half moleskin books with notes after speaking to leader after leader, entrepreneur after entrepreneur who had built and scaled a business, I went on a new learning curve in order to improve my competence and, and I stepped up to the challenge which I had previously just abdicated to somebody else. So it was the wrong thing for me to do to abdicate in 2012 and say, you can do it better than me. But it might be the right thing for me to delegate in the future to somebody and say, look, Rosecop is now 3,000 people big. I'm not competent. I've never run a 3,000 people big operation. I'm not competent to do that. You've run organizations that are 10,000 and 20,000 big. You take over as CEO. And because I'm a shareholder in the business, that would be the right thing to do. But if I was egotistical and if I was not conscious, I might hold back the business at that time. So we all have a level of competence, everyone. I'm just aware of mine. And at, in 2012, I misread my competence for, quite frankly, laziness to, to build my competence. So in 2014, I sort of through provocation by a friend, decided to actually step up to the challenge and, and go through to improve my competence. And uh, I'm still on that curve still, so I'm still meeting Corp as it grows. But I'm still certainly not the CEO I was in 2012, and I'm certainly not the CEO I was in 2000 when I started Corp. I've kept evolving, and my deep consciousness right now about my level of competence as CEO and leader provokes me to keep learning and to keep evolving. And I suppose that's part of the impetus for this podcast series is to, to share that with other entrepreneurs who are at that edge and are doubting themselves as leaders and don't know what to do. But I think what I've heard you say is that you will always be at that edge. You will always be at that edge. Exactly. Exactly. You will always be at that edge. And the question always at the edge is, do I have it in me to keep growing or is this it is this the terminal point of my growth and so leading others is about being the most appropriate type of leader for the size of the business did you note some of those areas Alon suggested we review strategy decision making communication and leadership fortunately for us we have a growing library of podcasts and resources at our fingertips on racecorp.com that can help us effectively review each of these areas but while these areas of competence have a direct impact on the way we lead others we can absolutely overinvest and send ourselves for a loop when developing ourselves if we do not pace this development appropriately let's hear what alon's suggested structure for this might be i think for small business like ours, what's more important to understand is what's probably going to happen to you over the next couple of years. So I just want to highlight maybe three crises that are very likely to happen to you as leader. And the first is at around 15, and I think I've mentioned this before in one of our podcast series. At 15, 
you're going to have it's not like it used to be crisis you're going to have a mixture between the older people who've been with you who you have loyalty to and the new people who've come in with new levels of competency because you're a good ceo and you've made the right decision to bring other competencies in where you don't have them or the organization doesn't have them and yet you have older people in the organization who don't have those competencies new people with those competencies tenured people who have worked through the night with you versus these new people who are unknown then you've got the salad of people that you have to now lead and that's at 15 people and when i say 15 people it could be 13 14 15 16 17 and every time i i share this with entrepreneurs there's always this the smile like it's a party trick like how do you know i've just gone through that and it's not that it's a party trick it's that it's logical that it happens at that point at 15 the levels of complexity have increased remember complexity increases exponentially as you add new people into an organization so if there are two of us we've got two lines of communication if there are three of us if there are three of us there's six lines of communication if there are four of us there's 16 lines of communication so at 15 it starts to become very complex in terms of how we communicate and who knows what and who's talking to whom and what they're saying and broken telephone and f- the fidelity of messaging uh, etc and so we have to become more and more clear and more and more deliberate in how we communicate and what we communicate to whom we communicate we don't want to over communicate we don't want to under communicate and that requires a whole bunch of thinking and structure and if you are used to well just you and me sitting across the table and i just say to you well that's not going to be appropriate at 15 and it's not going to be appropriate at 50 and it's certainly not going to be appropriate at 100 you have to be leading in a different way and communicating in a different way as the organization grows so at 15 is the inference that it's all about money and about growth and not about people which may or may not be true but every time somebody says to me it's not like it used to be i'm saying fantastic you don't know how hard it used to be i wanted it to be easier and better more stable and and more lucrative for all of us because if the business is growing you have job security you have bonuses you have a career etc etc it's not just about me and that I suppose is an, a little sidebar in terms of leadership it is because if you're communicating why growth is important to others if I can communicate to you as my employee to say that growth is good for you because then it's all about you and that's the essence of leadership is what's in it not for me but what's in it for you the people who are following I'm taking you to the, the promised land but what's there maybe it's worse so you have to express what's in it for you in the promised land what's in it for you in the future it's not just about we're going to have a fancy building and we're going to have some ego statement we're going to be the most well-known brand in our industry which means what for you and communicating that very strongly and then most importantly delivering on it and having a record of delivering on that promise is very very important so at 15 that complexity starts to rise in a big way I can definitely see how my limited decision making and communication abilities would hinder growth at this point. Of course, strategy, decision making, communication and leadership are just four areas that Alon has briefly mentioned here. 
and there will definitely be a whole host of other developmental areas to consider. So if crisis number one occurs at 15 employees, when do the other two kick in? Your next crisis is going to happen at around 45 people. And at 45 people, you're going to have 2,025 lines of communication. You're certainly not going to find it easy to have a staff meeting in the morning where you can communicate to everyone at the same time. So communication becomes very issued. And now at 45 people, and when I say 45, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, around the 45 mark, then you have another issue is that people are not interpreting what you're saying in the same way. And people now need rules in order to operate more effectively together. To use a, a, a metaphor, if you are in a little farm town, there's no traffic lights there. You drive there, you can see if a vehicle's coming just by the dust or you know and you can see for miles but if you're in the city and you don't have traffic lights it becomes problematic so now we need rules and the red means stop and the green means go and the, the amber means you know put your foot on the pedal <laughs> whatever it means to you or slow down or whatever the case may be but there are certain rules that need to be put in place yet in the small town you don't have those rules because there's so few people and everyone kind of gets that if the two vehicles traveling you know, towards this intersection at the same time, it's not going to end well. But when you've got hundreds of cars going through that intersection and, and everyone's rushing to work, then everyone needs to understand that they can't just go through when they want to. And so the, a better system is to put the traffic lights. So what you see then at the 45 mark is that there's the, the implementation of policy. Policy becomes very important and people signing better designed contracts which are more explicit. And then all the people who were there before the policies and before the rules turn around to you and say, well, it's not like it used to be. Many entrepreneurs go, oh, I don't want that to be. And these 45 or so people are very, very influential and affect the growth of the business. And a weak CEO at the time would go, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry and let's not do that. And so the business then would stall, and that comes back to your competency as CEO and leading and saying, if we don't put in these rules, if we don't put in these policies, the organization is going to find it very difficult to grow properly. And it, there'll be a huge amount of confusion, and we'll be spending days trying to sort out issues that could have been sorted out if everyone knew upfront what the rules were. Tripwire number three is at 150. And at 150, we get to that intimacy problem that we spoke about earlier in the podcast, which is at 151, I don't know your name anymore. I can only remember statistically 150 people's names and faces by heart. And at 151, it becomes far more difficult for me to do that. So now I don't have the same level of intimacy that I've had with everyone. You know, I'm looking at RaceCorp now, We've got buildings all over Southern Africa, and we're at, in total, 174 people in Rayscope. I don't know all their names. I'm living this right now. I don't know their names. So that becomes embarrassing. It becomes something to work on if I'm going to a one of our branches or you know one of our licensees. It's important for me to know who the people are, so that it requires a preparation for me to, to understand who's there, what they're doing, who is who in that environment. 
Now I have to do a lot more work as I travel and communicate. I also have to understand, as the organization is at that level, what are the issues that they are having that's different to other branches. And even if you're in one building, I've been in environments where people on the same floor where there are 150 people and more don't actually know what the other people do. They certainly don't know their names and they don't know what they do. At each one of these crisis points, if you don't evolve your leadership competence, if you don't evolve your general competence, you will stay at that size or implode. These are such important milestones to consider in the growth of our business and our ability to lead others as this growth occurs. Let's recap before a final word from Elon. We, the founders and CEOs of our businesses, can become the handbrake that halts growth if we are not keeping pace with our growing organizations, changing dynamics and needs. Continued growth is largely dependent on our ability to lead others. Key moments in the life cycle of our organization includes when we hit 15 employees, 45 employees and 150 employees. These moments bring with them significant shifts in the way we as the leader of our organization are perceived and we need to understand why the shift is happening and respond appropriately. These moments also require a maturing of structure, of policy and an increased level of effort to stay on top of any issues that may hinder movement and momentum across our now much larger organization. With all of that under our belts and all the notes that you've been taking, Here's a final word from Alon. So this podcast is about leading others. It feels very much that this is about leading yourself in terms of your consciousness about your own competence as leader. But in that consciousness, it's about how you relate to others in their individual form, in their group form, in their branch form, in their geography form. And the others changes as the organization grows. So I have to have a different level of consciousness because now I'm leading different types of groupings. And in the next podcast, we will talk more about this, about leading leaders, because a big part of leading others is also understanding that you are leading leaders who are also leading others and not stepping on other people's toes and becoming dictatorial in that environment. And you see this very often with entrepreneurs who've been there from the, the beginning. They cannot help themselves from being dictatorial, a dictator in, in their environment, where they just overstep the mark. They are like a bull in a china shop. They create chaos as they move through the organization. They contradict, they damage, because it's their way or the highway. And... The leadership layers basically crumble because of that mentality. As the organization grows, it's creating now hierarchy. And if you're not conscious of the fact that there is hierarchy and that you respect that hierarchy, not that you don't question the hierarchy, but you respect the hierarchy as a leader, then you are not leading others well. And that's a completely different context to just you and me having a pizza across the table. To sum this all up, leading others in a growing business is about consciousness about your leadership capability. It's about pushing yourself to the next level, about not becoming comfortable in your status quo yourself as a leader. Pushing yourself and being uncomfortable always 
and being acutely aware that there is a terminal point for you as leader and testing that terminal point by trying. And at some point you say, okay, it's now time for me to find a new CEO to take over this business, either sell the business or step down as CEO, become chairman. And you see that a lot with, with businesses where they become chairman and hand it over to somebody with better competence, better experience, and perhaps younger and more energetic to take over that organization. And then you step into the statesmanship role and you become the face of the organization and play a different role in the organization. And there you can find your competence because you understand that organization. If you found this podcast useful, go to racecorp.com where you'll find more resources exactly like this that can help you as you push yourself, your team, and your business forward. Racecorp is also guaranteed to have a page on your favorite social media platform, and you can follow these for updates on new releases and other opportunities there. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and I'll see you in the next episode.